Hey, good morning again, Heritage Church. Dr. Dav here. Just want to say how much you are loved and how glad I am that you are here. I hope again, somebody has told you we are glad that you're here. I know they have. Hey, this morning before the message, I just want to say again that we love you. We appreciate you all. We're praying for you fervently. Today, I've asked Pastor Jeremy Young to speak. Uh, team Young is a good, 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 beloved part of our team here. And uh, they are walking through some, uh, some of their own opportunities for their own faith <laughs> and uh, uh, need for God's mercy and grace to be present in their time of need. And as such, uh, Pastor Young is going to speak today about coming to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace in, to help in your time of need. And I pray that today you'll do that. You will draw near. And uh, so would you help me this morning just by welcoming and showing your appreciation and honor for Pastor Jeremy Young as he comes to bring the Word of God this morning. God bless you. Thanks much. I, uh, I almost forgot to turn my mic on. That would have been embarrassing. <laughs> but up here like, yeah, everybody's like, hey, what? Can't hear you. But hey, um, man, I, I, I am so honored to be standing in front of you this morning. Uh, our pastor... Uh, he'll be back next week, uh, just you know, taking some you know staycation, hanging out with the family, and uh, but but he'll be back next week. So you don't have to put up with us for much longer. <laughs> no, we're we're glad you're here. We love you guys. Hey, before I get started, we have some friends in the house. Dave and Anya Belcher, they're back there, right? And we wanted to say we wanted to say that we love you. We're thankful for you. We're with you. And Ed, my man Ed back here is going to pray over you. So, so if you guys would raise your hand real quick or you could stand up if you're comfortable with it. Uh, my, our, our good friend Ed, he's going to pray over. These are, these are pastors out, out in Wenatchee. Right? So we want to we we pray with them and pray a blessing over them. Uh, am I on? Okay. First of all, we want to say thank you, Dave and Anya, for being here. We love you so much. So you guys are actually an extension of Heritage Church and where you go we go. We want you to know that. So, Lord, we just come to you right now, Lord, and we just ask for a special blessing on the Belcher family. We thank you so much for them. We thank you for them being in our lives. We we thank you for what Dave and Anya are doing up in, in Lake Chelan with their church, Father. They started small and they're growing like weeds, Father. And we just thank you for the blessings that you bestow, bestow upon them. We thank you for your favor on them. We ask that you continue to prosper them personally in their lives. We ask that you continue to grow their church and and, Father, we so thank you that they are here with us and they are sharing a day with us. Lord, we just ask your blessing on them and their church and the time where they're here. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Hey, we love you guys. Yeah, we love you guys. Hey, well, uh, it, like I said, it's an honor to be able to, to stand here. Sometimes I, uh, when I'm standing here, I, uh, I, you know, Austin said, you feel the weight of where you're standing. And, um, you know, we, we know who our pastor is. Right, and and those are some big shoes to fill. But really, the weight that we feel is the uh, the, the the responsibility of, of of communicating the perfect word of God effectively. Right, and and communicating His people, and you are His people, and we love you. We're thankful for you. If you don't know me, my name is Jeremy Young. I'm an associate pastor here at Heritage Church. I have learned to say associate pastor slowly because if you say it fast, some people think you're saying sociopath. And I do not want to communicate that I'm a sociopath. (laughs) 
Although I think if I was, I wouldn't really care, right? <laughs> but, oh, man, I am, I am honored. I am honored to be able to serve the people of Heritage Church, to be able to serve you, right? My, my calling and my job is to, to be an extension of our pastor and to serve the people of this church, the people of God in this, time, in this area, in this time in Vancouver, Washington. And I'm thankful and I'm honored to be able to do it. And I love you and I'm thankful for you. If you don't know, Heritage Church is a great church full of great people. Great people. <laughs> great people. We're full of people. This church is full of people who boldly welcome the influence of the Holy Spirit. I just want to welcome his presence again today. Can we welcome his presence? If you're, if you're, if you're comfortable, could you lift your hands and just welcome and receive the presence? Lord, we thank you that you are here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come this morning and that you would manifest yourself in your glory and in your strength and in your power and in your healing. Lord, it increase our faith and increase our, our, our expectancy of who you are. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and that you would, you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, that you would convict, that you would pull on our hearts, and you would convince us of the word that we hear this morning. Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, we're thankful for your presence here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, this morning, uh, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews. So if you have a Bible or an app or however you you get into the word of God, I mean, I should open mine too, but we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4 today. And before I get into it, I've got to give you a little bit of background on the book of Hebrews, but Hebrews is a book written to believers to stand firm in their faith in the face of opposition. Specifically, Hebrews, or Jews, who had stepped out of Judaism and into Christianity in first century Rome. Now, if you don't know, and I'm sure you do, in first century Rome, there's a little bit of opposition to Christianity. Right? There was opposition to Judaism, and there was even more so to Christianity. See, the Jews would the Jews kind of, you know, they, they didn't like the Romans, but they, I don't know if it was an agreement, <laughs> right? But they just say, you know, they did what they did. They did what they could to, to get the Romans to leave them alone. The Christians, Christians were like, we love Jesus, that's it. Yeah. Right? And the Romans didn't like that. They're like, we love Caesar. Do you love, no, we don't, we love Jesus. So the persecution, persecution for Christians was more intense, right? Like you, guys, you guys all know the story of Saul before he was Paul. His goal and his stated intent was to stamp out Christianity, right? Then he ran into Jesus on the road to Damascus, <laughs> right? And the interesting thing, I don't have this in my notes, but, but, but the interesting thing, what, what did Jesus ask, ask Paul or ask Saul at the time? Why are you persecuting me? Had he ever met Jesus? What does that say about you? Jesus identifies with his people. And if somebody's coming against you, they're coming against Jesus. And guess what? Doesn't end up well for him. <laughs> but some of those who believed, like, like they, they became believers, they're like, they, they decided, hey, we can go back to Judaism and the persecution and the opposition isn't as bad. Same God, just under, you know, back a little bit. And at least the religious, religious leaders would leave him alone. The Jews weren't coming after him anymore. 
But the writer of Hebrews sets out to explain the superiority of Christ and how everything about him is better than anything you could return to. The author explains how Christ is superior to the Judaic system. He's better than the angels because the angels worship Christ. He's better than Moses because guess who created Moses? He's better than the Aaronic priesthood because the sacrifice of Christ was once for all time. The Aaronic priesthood requires sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice for thousands of years. And Jesus sacrificed once, and that was it. He's better than the law because Jesus came and he mediates and he mediated and he mediates a better covenant. Bottom line, Jesus is better. There's the book of Hebrews. <laughs> We're done. See ya. <laughs> no. Jesus is better. Stick with him. And there's far more to lose by abandoning Christ than there is to gain by anywhere else, by going anywhere else. Right? Walk away from Jesus. We call that apostasy, walking away from the faith. You have far more to lose than you'll gain going anywhere else. And today, we say, come boldly to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence... Draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, Jesus is our great high priest, and he's passed through the heavens. Meaning, well, let me go back. Right? The high priest of the Levites, the the Levitical high priest, was the one who on the day of covenant would walk into the Holy of Holies one day a year to atone for the sins of people. And before he did that, he had had to atone for his own sins. Right? He atoned for his own sins by sprinkling bull's blood all over, all over the mercy seat. And then he would atone for the people by sprinkling the, the, the blood of a goat. Right? And then there was a scapegoat, and they'd speak the sins of the, of the, the people over the goat, and then they'd drive him out to the desert. And that's its own story. But... but he would enter the Holy of Holies, and he'd make atonement for the people, for the people, for the nation. Now, inside the Holy of Holies, the priests had to follow exactly, exactly what God had instructed in Leviticus 16. Any variance or or innovation meant instant death, right? He had to atone for his own sins, and if he didn't do it right, and if he didn't atone for sin right, we know what the the payment for sin or the, the, the wages of sin. The wages of sin is death. Right? And sin, sin cannot be present in the presence of the Lord. And because of that, they would, you know, at times they would tie a rope around the high priest when he went in. So if he died, nobody else is going in there to get him. <laughs> Just yank him out. <laughs> but Jesus is not, not just another high priest on the Day of Atonement. Rather than entering the Holy of Holies, Jesus passed through the heavens and went straight into the presence of God. The high priest, when he would enter the Holy, Holy, Holy of Holies, would never think of sitting down. That would be a variance. That would be a deviation 
from what God had instructed. But when Jesus entered the presence of God, Hebrews 10, verses 11 and 12 says, And every high priest stands daily at his service, offering repeated, repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down. Right? The Levitical system, you go to the temple, and this would be, if you think about it, it would be a gruesome sight. Just all these animals, and there's a line of priests, and the priests at the front, you know, if, if Aaron you know, wore, wore skinny jeans and they said that that wasn't good and he had to bring a, an animal. I love you, man. <laughs> oh, man. I gotta stop. Right, but but the, the Levitical priests, they would be, uh, they'd be in line and you'd bring, you'd bring an animal for your sacrifice depending on what you did, bird, goat, sheep, I don't know, bull sometimes. I, don't, I mean, just an animal. And, and the priest in the front of the line, you know, blood all over the place. Atone for your sin. Then that priest would get back in line. And they'd do that all day. Right? All day. Jesus sacrificed once, and he's like, sat down. He's like, I'm done. Yeah, Jesus is better. Hebrews, Jesus is better. Jesus, our, our high priest, he paid the price for our sin in full. He entered the presence of God, sat down in his right hand, and he intercedes on our behalf. Right now, Jesus Christ is interceding personally for each and every one of you. If you are a, a, a professing Christian, if you are someone who has accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ right now is sitting at the right hand, the, the, the place of influence and authority and power, and he is interceding. He is speaking to God on your behalf. That's incredible. Because Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God interceding, we're told to hold fast to what we, what we believe. Let us hold fat, fast to what we believe. Let us persevere through the trials of this life. Now, what do we believe? When they say, hold fast to what you believe, what do we believe? Well, I'm, I wrote a few things down. And we believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. That's important. We believe that the spotless love, Lamb of God, Jesus, was crucified and bore the sins of the world. He absorbed on the cross, absorbed the wrath of God. God poured his wrath out, and Jesus absorbed that for you. When he absorbed that for you, he reflected God's love to you. So it was like two things being poured out, wrath and love, and the wrath got absorbed, and Jesus was like a mirror reflecting love to you. We believe Jesus was buried and rose on the third day, dealing a fatal blow to the power of death. Now, that can sound like an oxymoron, but death is an enemy, and Jesus defeated it. We will one day walk out of our graves because Jesus did. He walked out, so guess what? I'm following him out. We believe Christ ascended, and he's seated at the right hand of God, where he intercedes on our behalf. We also believe he sent the promise of heaven, the Holy Spirit, in order to empower us and as an assurance that he is with us. He said that he would be with us till the end of the age, and he sent the Holy Spirit, and he is with us. One that is exactly the same. Dav talked about this in, 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 in the beginning of Acts, right? Alas parakletas, you know, one of, the, one of the same kind. Jesus didn't send somebody similar. He sent one of the exact same kind. to be with us, to live in us. 
We believe that Jesus is good, and we believe that he wants what is best for us. We believe we are saved by faith in who Jesus is and what he has done on our behalf. Our full and complete trust is in Jesus Christ. Full and complete. All of our eggs are in one basket. We believe we're citizens of another place, heaven, and what we are experiencing now is temporary. And we also believe that Jesus is coming back. Right? And if Hebrews, if Hebrews means Jesus is better, I got another book for you, Revelation. Two words, Jesus wins. We are to hold fast to these beliefs. We are to hold fast. We're instructed to hold fast to these confessions of who Jesus is. Now remember, all of that, you'll never find all of that anywhere else. Jesus is our great high priest, and Jesus understands our deepest feelings. He understands because he's been there. Jesus understands you, and he understands the situation. He understands what you're going through right now. He understands how you're feeling. He understands how you feel hopeless, if you do. <laughs> he understands the feeling of helplessness. 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus understands, and he understands completely. He was tempted in every way, and he was tempted to the fullest. We give in to sin. So think about it. We give in to sin. Jesus never did. He experienced temptation to its fullest, to its most extreme. And as I was writing this, my dad came up this week, and he's going to be here next service, and he's going to hear this, and I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness. But when I was was little or when I lived at home, I used to be little, I promise. I was, uh, but my dad, we didn't, we didn't have a, bu- a lot of money, but my dad always wanted to provide good things for us, and he always wanted us to have the very best, so he, uh, he, he learned how to, and he would make cookies for us, and um, it was always on a weekend, it was on a Saturday, I think, I mean, I was home from school when it was happening, or else his story wouldn't make any sense, but uh, he, um, he, would, he would make cookies, and I'd start smelling these cookies, I'd be like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> smell good. Now, to be, to be fair, I wasn't going after the cookies. I wanted the cookie dough, <laughs> right? I wanted the cookie dough. And my dad would always tell me, he's like, don't eat the cookie dough. Don't eat the cookies. Don't eat the cookie dough. But I'll tell you, you guys know, cookies coming right out of the oven are delicious. So good. So, so good, right? And uh, so my dad, you know, he'd, he'd put cookies in the oven, and then he'd go out in the garage and pff, handful of cookie dough, right? I was tempted the more I smelled those cookies. The more, that I, the more that my dad told me not to, the more I wanted it. All right, now that's kind of a silly illustration. But Jesus experienced temptation to its fullest. And it's incredible, right? If you think about that Jesus never sinned because he was tempted in every area of his personal life. He never gave in. And you think about it, what did Jesus say about, about sin? You guys know. In Matthew 5, 28, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustful, with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Meaning, if you think about doing something, if you're figuring out ways, you've already sinned. So think about it. Jesus never sinned, ever. 
Meaning, we always think, I mean, it's easy for me to think, yeah, well, he never did anything wrong, but he never thought anything wrong. I have a hard time going for an hour without thinking anything wrong. I'm getting better at it. <laughs> but it's hard sometimes. Like, those thoughts are coming in, and you start, like, like, and what I'm talking about, it's not like, hey, if, you know, like Jesus isn't saying, hey, if a, if a woman walks by and you think she's beautiful, not to, you know, like, yeah, she's beautiful. But what he's saying is, like, don't start figuring out ways to go after her. Right? If, if, if you see, I was trying to figure out another way. If, you see, if I saw a stack of a million dollars, I can appreciate a million dollars. Right? But I'm not going to start figuring out, ooh, when nobody's looking, I'm grabbing some. Right? Because as soon as you start thinking it, you start trying to figure out ways to do it. Right? I heard it said one time that, that when you see a physical act of sin, that that physical act is simply proof that the person has already sinned. Right, meaning that they they've already thought about how doing how to do it. They've come up with a plan to do it, and now they're just executing that plan. There's always a thought before you do something. There's always a thought, always. There's always a temptation. But Jesus was tempted in every way, in every aspect of his personal life, and he never even had a stray thought. He experienced temptation to its fullest, and he understands what it feels like. If you think you're alone, if you think that you're the only one who's gone through what you've gone through, or you're the only one who's going through what you're going through, if you're the only one who feels the way that you do, you're believing a lie. Because the truth is, is that there is someone who understands. There's someone who's been in your shoes And that person is our hope. His name is Jesus. The truth is, Jesus came and he experienced life for your benefit. Personally, for your benefit. For my benefit. He experienced the good and he experienced the bad. He experienced being hungry, thirsty, and tired. His family thought he was, thought he was crazy. He, his hometown rejected him. He experienced being wrongfully accused, betrayed by friends. He was forsaken, spit on, slandered against, and mocked publicly. And that's not to mention tortured in public and executed. Matthew 26, 37, Jesus says, he, says Jesus experienced feelings of trouble and sorrow. In verse 28, Jesus, before he, before he went to go pray in the garden, says to his disciples, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. He asked them to pray, and they went to sleep. While one of them was selling him, was, was, was betraying him. Whatever you're going through, good or bad, you can be assured Jesus understands. Jesus understands what you're going through and how you feel. And because he understands, we say, come boldly to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now in the ancient world, the throne was a place of sovereign authority and judgment. You didn't come to the throne and waste the king's time. The king was too busy doing whatever. 
I don't know, Count Gold, something. I got all these, like, all these old cartoon movies, right? Like, you know, Count Gold, you know, like the old, like, Disney Robin Hood movie, you know, like, uh, you know, Prince John sitting there just counting, you know, taxes, taxes, you know, anyway. <laughs> but to approach the throne at will with your personal problems and struggles would have been a waste of the king's time or queen. And wasting the time of the king or queen usually didn't end up well for the person coming to the throne. Now, again, another cartoon reference. <laughs> old old uh, um, Alice in Wonderland, right? The queen of hearts, right? People came to the throne, off with their head, off with their head, off with their head. That's what I think of. I've never walked up to the throne of, you know, in a palace, nor would I ever think I want to. I would want to. But I have approached the throne of grace. We are told to approach the throne of grace with confidence. To seek mercy and find grace in our time of need. The Greek word I've been reading out of the English Standard Version translates confidence as in let us with confidence draw, let us then with confidence draw near. That word means free and fearless confidence, cheerful courage, boldness, and assurance. Now, I the way I kind of get ready for a message, Jav asked me to speak a a couple weeks ago, and so I start, you know, kind of rolling things through my head. And I was reading this passage, and I just started reading it, reading it different translations. And uh, I, was, I was kind of processing it with my wife. And we were sitting at the end of our bed. And as I'm talking about, like, confidently approaching the, the throne of grace, our little dog, all 13 pounds of him, you know, he's a little, you know, I measured him the other day because I had a tape measure. And I was like, oh, hey, you know. But <laughs> like to his shoulder, he's like a foot tall, <laughs> little guy. But, uh, but he's bold. He's bold, and he came, and he sat at our feet, and he just stared at us, and then he started making noise, right, and then he started, you know, jumps up, like, puts his paws up on your legs, and what does he want? Treats and to be held. He wants my wife to hold him, and he wants treats, but he's bold, and he knows that if he comes, like, I mean, my wife is way, like, he's way more my wife's dog. I'd just be like, get out of here, man, right, but, <laughs> but he knows, he knows. <laughs> But he knows, he knows that if he continues to come boldly, he's going to get what he wants. Then my wife's going to give in. She's going to pick him up. Right? And he may even get a treat. And we're told to, to be bold and courageous with confidence. Draw near to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Nothing we bring to the foot of the throne is too big and nothing we bring is too small. He understands what it feels like to be helpless. He understands what it feels like to be in a time of need. We are given mercy and we find grace. We aren't met with the response of a high priest who thinks he's, ne- he's above our problems. Jesus didn't say, hey, come to the throne of grace so I can kick you out of my, kick you out of my presence. He says, hey, come, find mer- come seek mercy and you're going to find grace. He doesn't think our problems are too trivial. They're not a waste of his time. He welcomes us with open arms. And he provides the help we need. When we approach him in our time of need, we are given mercy. Mercy here means kindness toward the afflicted, joined with a desire to help. We come seeking mercy, and it triggers. Jesus wants to help us immediately. That's what mercy is. He sees our affliction. He sees our need, and he's like, oh, I want to help. It's his idea. He just tells us to come to him. 
Jesus sees our affliction, he sees our needs, and his desire is to help. Now we come seeking mercy, right? Come see, we come to the, the throne of grace, we seek mercy, and we find grace. And we know grace, meaning favor and goodwill. We, find, we seek mercy and we find favor. We receive mercy from Jesus and there is abundant grace to be found. There's always grace found at the foot of the throne. We, see, we receive mercy, find grace to help in our time of need. Now the word help here, and maybe some of you guys know this, but I think maybe I did. I don't know, maybe I was the only one that didn't know this. But this word help uh, is only found two places in the New Testament. Here, and then in Acts 27, 17. All right, and in Acts 27, Paul, after he says, hey, I want to go see Caesar. I'm a Roman citizen. Stop beating me up. You know, and then they, they're sending Rome. He's on a ship, and the ship hits a storm, and, it, and, and they're having problems, and the ship's starting to break apart, and they help the ship by wrapping cords around it to hold it together. It's the same word. The help provided to the ship helped it from falling apart and sinking in the storm. The people in the boat were in a time of need, and they knew what they needed to do to survive. They started wrapping cords around the boat. In the storms of your life, when the storm seems overwhelming and your boat is about to sink, come boldly to the throne of grace. In your time of need, allow him to help you survive the storm. That boat you're in, let him wrap cords around it so it doesn't break apart in the storm, so you can weather the storm. Allow him to provide the help you need to stay afloat. Verse 16 again, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Let us, with free and fearful confidence, cheerful courage, boldness and assurance, draw near to the throne of grace, the throne where we find Jesus sitting at the right hand of God the Father, that we may receive a kind desire to help the afflicted and find favor and goodwill to help in our time of need to hold the boat together in the storm, to keep us afloat when all hope seems lost. In our time of need, Jesus tells us in John 16, in this world you will have troubles, or you will have problems, or you will have... But be brave. Take heart. I have defeated the world. Jesus tells us we're going to have problems. We're told we're going to have problems in this world. And if you didn't know, the world we live in has a couple of issues. <laughs> right? And we can look around and we can say, oh, man, well, there's this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And really what we see is sin, 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 sin. Sin is destructive. And we see its impact on everything. We experience its impact. We experience the consequences of our sinful actions. I have experienced the consequences of my sinful actions as I'm sure most of you have. Well, if, if the Bible is correct, all of you have. We're all in this together. We also experience the hurt at the hands of others' sinful actions. And it's incredible to me, when, when people get hurt by someone else, who do they blame first? God. The hurt inflicted by the sins of those who hurt us are not because of Jesus. That fault lies squarely in the lap of Satan himself. 
He's the one who injected the poison of sin into our, into our lives. He's the one that encourages people. He's the one that accuses people. He's the one, he's the one that, 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 that tempts people. He's the one that, 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 that brought sin into this world. Instead of blaming Jesus, we, look at him for, we need to look at him for who he really is. He provides a way for us to receive healing. He provides mercy, and we find grace when we approach his throne. So when is our time of need? Always. We're always in a time of need. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine, and we're a branch that's, that's stuck into him. I love grapes a lot. Big green ones, right? I preached on this, and it went sideways, right? <laughs> For a long time. Got a lot of grapes out of that. But <laughs> people are like, you like grapes? Great. I was like, oh, this is wonderful. But, uh, but Jesus is the vine, right? And a branch, if you rip that branch out of the vine, what does it do? Dies. It can't do anything without the vine. The vine is his life source. Jesus is our life source. Without Jesus, we are nothing. Without him, we have nothing. We depend on him for everything. We will always need Jesus. Now, it's easy to not ask for when things are going well. But I'll tell you, we need grace and mercy just as much on the mountaintops as we do in the valleys. Right? If life is a roller coaster, we get to the top and we're like, hey, look how good I'm doing. Look at what I've done. And then that roller coaster starts going down and we start screaming for help. Because really, it's not you that got you up there. You may have done some work, but you were blessed. And you were, you were, there was a lot of help on the way. Besides, he provides everything anyway. <laughs> it's, all, it's all because of him anyway. We need the mercy and grace of the Lord when things are going well and when they're not going well. On March 23, 2010, I needed mercy. I approached the throne of grace for the first time, seeking mercy, and guess what I found? Grace. Since that day, I've been relying on, living by the grace I found in my time of need. Remember, I was, I was, as I was, I was getting here, working through this, this message, preparing for this, I remembered in, uh, in Bible college, there was a couple of classrooms upstairs and downstairs, and upstairs there was a reader board, and I didn't understand it at first, but the first time I went in there for the orientation, they, like on the bottom of the board, they had like those letters, you know, you staple to the board, staple to the board, and it said, a true, sa- a true saint burns grace like a 747 burns fuel. And I don't know who to credit that to, but it's good. It's good. And I was reminded of that this, when I was going through this, I was like, man, like I've been burning grace, and maybe it's because I'm a big guy. But I've been burning a lot of grace, right? And a 747 burns a lot of fuel, right? And the only time a 747 isn't burning fuel is when it's sitting doing nothing, right? So if I'm doing anything, I need the grace of God in my life. So are you in a time of need? I'm going to have the musicians come up and we're going to get ready. But are you in a time of need? Jesus is, 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 no need is too big. No need is too small. Jesus can handle it. I'm reminded, I, I, 
you know, I've heard you know Todd White speak a couple of times and uh, some interviews with him, and he said something. He was uh, I don't remember. I was watching a video with him in it. He said he said I believe Jesus is or the Holy Spirit's a big boy, <laughs> and I believe he can handle your problems. We're not, we're not bringing our problems. We're not bringing our, our need. We're not coming in a time of need to someone who's helpless. We're coming in a time of need to someone who provides the answer. Are you in a time of need? Are you persevering through something in this life? Do you feel like you're in a storm and you're getting ready to sink? Do you need to find help? Do you need someone to come help hold your boat together? Come boldly to the throne of grace. Do you need mercy and grace? Do you need kindness to help in regard to what you're afflicted with? Do you need the favor and goodwill of Jesus? Come boldly to the throne of grace. Do you need someone who can understand, someone who understands? Someone who understands everything you're going through, every part of it. Someone who knows what it feels like. Someone who cares and provides a way out and through it. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Do you need forgiveness? Do you need forgiveness for something you've done? For something done to you? Do you need to forgive someone who's, who sinned against you? Maybe you need to forgive, receive forgiveness for the first time. March 23rd, 2010, I approached the throne of grace for the first time and received forgiveness. And I don't regret it. I haven't regretted it a day in my life, a day since then. I regretted that I didn't do it earlier, but I haven't regretted it since that day. If you're not a Christian, you should be. Come boldly to the throne of grace. If you could, could you stand with us? We're going to sing. I'm going to have my prayer workers come. The prayer workers come down. If you're, if you're a deacon in this house or you're a prayer worker or a ministry leader, can you come and just line up across the front right here? And if, you, and if you are looking for forgiveness for someone who understands, if you need mercy or grace, if you have a time of need, come boldly to the throne of grace. Let's sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound.
I will say that Jesus is good. And he's waiting for you. He loves you. We're going to stay and we'll pray as long as we need to. And if you need, if you need prayer, come boldly. Come receive mercy and find grace. For the rest of you, I'll pray over you and then we'll, we'll go. But Lord, I thank you for everyone in here. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of mercy and grace. Lord, that you provide and you provide a way out of our circumstances and you understand what, what sin does in our lives. And Lord, we thank you for defe- defeating sin. And Lord, I pray that every single one of us in our time of need would approach the, the throne of grace boldly to receive mercy and find grace. Lord, I pray a blessing over your people as they go. And Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we love you guys. Make sure you say something nice to someone on the way out. And uh, if you have kids, please make sure and pick them up. (laughs) We love you guys. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing.